hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those Mike Young here. Stories that need to be told in Detroit with my brother Rob. Say what up. What up? That's enough. Back to the old original name, stories that need to be told. <laughs> I'm coughing. Big workout today. We worked out in Detroit. I've been home for a month. I didn't see you work out. Did you work out? I was at the gym. Huh. Do you, uh, yeah, I worked out strong. Then I came and finished it off at the high school with a wind sprint. What do you call those? Burners? I mean, Suicide drills. Yeah, ladders. yeah, we we did it. We did them all: ten yard line, twenty yard line, thirty back. We did it. We did it big. Um, but I've been home for about a month at least. I've been gone from LA. I was on the road with Saget. We played North Carolina. We had six shows out there. I gave up my apartment. There's been a lot of transitions going on. A lot of things have been happening, and I've been loving being home. I've been. Lo- I love that I gave up my apartment that I needed to give up. I've been going through some sort of existential crisis where I needed a change. I'll just say it straight up. My apartment had no light. I was in the same place 13 years. I'm done with the table. I'm done with the the building. I can't have my neighbors coming over knocking saying, hi, neighbor. Come on in. And they just walk right in. Everyone got too friendly, too close, too cool. The people that ran the building, a couple of them are very cool people. But for the most part, it was just a money-making racket. I don't know. There was some kind of fee I was paying called the AUM fee that was like garbage and something else. I have no idea what I was paying, but... Bottom line was, every time my brother would visit me, he would say, get the hell out of this place. You need to get out. And I just got caught up in a rut of living there. And it was pretty much, I have no excuse other than I was traveling so much. I never felt like I truly lived there at all anyway. But the energy had been sucked out of that place. And I've done as much as you can do in one place. And I'm out. All my stuff's in storage. I have no idea where I'm going to live. I'm going back to L.A. tomorrow. Even though my brother tells me O'Hare Airport could be shut down tomorrow, but we'll see what happens in the morning. So what do you think, bro? You, you think I'm making a good move, just making the transition, shaking everything up? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I definitely think you're making a good move. You shook it up. You shook it up earlier this summer when you had your vertigo, and you just knew that it was all related to some other weird shit. So I think that was a, vir- a virus at the end of the day. I mean, they say vertigo is a virus. It just is a virus. Yeah, vertigo means virus in Greek, in Latin. Does it? No, I have no idea. Uh, Yeah, after my vertigo episode, it sent me spiraling on many levels. I started seeing a psychiatrist. I started freaking out. But vertigo is a virus. And so what happened to me was it like attacked me and I lost literally like 15 pounds you know that, right? I was down like 15 pounds. I was skinny as can be. And it's weird because when I, years ago, I remember like getting like an injury, like a shoulder neck injury. And when my neck and shoulder got injured, the left side of my body got super thin, like almost atrophy. And whatever that is, when you're out of alignment, it can happen. And I was totally out of alignment. Vertigo attacked me. 
the the vertigo thing only lasted for a day. It, you know, it repeated like two weeks later. I had an episode, whatever. But bottom line was, I freaked out. I, I had a fully full on existential crisis. I left my apartment. Everything went into storage. I got serious about like thinking about life and like what is it that I truly want to do, even though I've done a ton of my dreams. Like you know, my, as a kid, my dreams were my dreams were stand up comedy, direct a movie, write a movie, you know, do a TV thing. Whatever they were, I've been achieving. Most of my dreams on a certain level, just like not the I'm not Judd Apatow as a director, and I'm not you know I'm not Michael Mann as a writer director, and I'm not whatever. Bottom line is, I've been hitting my goals on certain levels, but I knew that there was more I could do, and I got serious about doing my one thing single mic, and I just kind of took a note out of like almost like Jesse's bag or, you know, any kind of motivational speaker bag where it's like, just go do what the hell you want to do. And so I decided to go. Single Mike is a project that my brother knows super well. He's walked me through most everything I've done. But Single Mike is a 10-minute sizzle reel I shot a few years back. And it was something that everybody who saw it responded to it to the point where it was like Stamos wrote me back, you know, hit me on an email. was like, what is this? This is amazing. you got to do this show. And it's really just a show about me navigating single life in L.A. And basically, single life in L.A. every week is like an independent, independent James Bond movie. Someone's always trying to kill you. There's always a hot chick involved. You don't trust anybody. You're keeping secrets. It's the life. So I basically decided I'm going to ask a few people to do this independently. I'm not stop doing that, bro. You're 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 it's uh, you're scratching your skin off. My brother's sitting next to me. He's making a noise, but he can't hear it because his ear's not good. Um, but I went and I literally, I asked, a, I started asking around and putting a little business proposal together. Even though I didn't do much, pro- I asked my lawyer, I said, if somebody were to finance single Mike independently, what would a return look like? I called my lawyer. He wrote up a skeleton. I asked a few people and immediately I got the Yes. And so it kind of shocked me because it put a little more stress on me because one of the producers, I don't even know him that well as a, I just met him through Stamos basically, you know, and he was like, yo, give me the wiring instructions. I'm sending you the money. And I was blown away, literally. And I know him. I met him, basically I was at Stamos's barbecue, and his wife and all her friends came up to me, and they're like, we saw you open for Sebastian, we loved you, you were so funny, and he, I'm not going to say his name, but he's, and he's, a, he's a super cool dude, and he had like a, flew, a, flew me and Stamos, and, a few, and Stamos's mom, rest in peace, flew us to Vegas for Stamos's birthday a year ago. And he was just super cool and basically came up to me at the barbecue with his wife and all our friends. And he was like, we went and saw this comedian. I had no idea who the guy was. And you opened for him and blew us away. It was at the Pantages. And they were super complimentary. And he was like, anything you got in this world, you know, I'm an investor. And if you ever come across something that might be interesting, let me know. So he was just somebody that was on my... And I went to people that I knew first, a couple people. (laughs) And I, then I went to him and I hit him up casually. I shot him an email. I said, hey, man, take a look at this sizzle reel. If you like it, 
and you want to be involved, I'm doing something with Kevin Connolly, Stamos, Rappaport. I started, you know, just putting names in the mix that were people that were talking to. Mm-hmm. And he hit me right back and he called me and he was like, almost, he was thanking me. Yeah, He's like, thinking of him. Yeah. yeah. That's how shit's supposed to go now. So he calls me and he goes, hey, Mike, I just want to let you know my wife and I watched the sizzle reel. We both really laughed. I completely believe in you. Uh, I want to thank you. And he's talking real business straight to me. He's like, I just want to thank you for thinking about me. And uh, if you could just have your lawyer drop uh, sort of a shell of what a deal might look like, I'd love to see that. I call my lawyer. I'm like, Jared, I have no idea how to write this up, but can you just show my investor what a potential deal would look like if we sold the TV show? He rolled up a shell of an idea. I emailed it to him. He called me back like a week later, and he's like, hey, Mike, listen, I'm going to Cabo uh, on Friday, but I'm good to go. They always go to Cabo. He goes, I'm good to go. And he just goes, send me the wiring instructions. We didn't sign anything. We haven't signed any paperwork. I gave him my wiring instructions, and before he went to Cabo, I was scared to look into my bank account, but I looked in the business account. And it's there. It's all there. Yeah, it's great. It's all there. Don't be afraid. And I was totally afraid. It's all the money that you're going to, that's the money that you're going to use for your two episodes. Yeah. Possibly three. Yeah. We're going to shoot two episodes. Kevin Connolly's going to direct them. Mm -hmm. It's single mic. I'm playing myself, and it's a dream for me because it's it's the show I always wanted to do, yeah. and it's it's just the show that is in my bro. What are you doing? I mean, you're doing all the talking. I'm gonna stretch and crack my knuckles. Don't crack your knuckles. Oh, well, you, not even. I mean, you'll be talking in a minute. I'm just listening. My brother's so used to talking that he can't do anything but crack his knuckles and scratch the skin off his arm. <laughs> He's never listened this long in his life. So anyway, long story short is we are going to go. I already wrote the first script is done. And by done, I mean, you know, 80% done. And I'll go back tomorrow or Wednesday if it's weather permitting and sit with Kevin. And Connolly and I have been going back and forth over the notes. And he actually has great notes. And my brother is the only other person that I've really showed it to. And he's got great notes because any kind of my brother is the he is the bullshit meter in my life. And anytime he reads anything that I'm doing that might be autobiographical, he just has a beat on it, you know? And he could be doing a million things in his own business, you know, taking care of flood, fire, mold damage around the planet Earth. And if he reads my stuff, he just has a perfect beat and a perfect gut instinct on what it is I need to do or where something feels fake. And it's funny because everything Connolly, you know, you know, you think of Connolly as more of an actor. You know, you don't know he's directed a hundred TV episodes of different TV shows and stuff like that. And he's been in the business 25, 30 years probably since he's a kid. So by nature or nurture, he has a good gut instinct on these things. Sure. So the so the the notes that Connolly gave me were right on. And then they were the same notes you gave me. You know, like every you agreed with the same things. Like the end of the episode felt a little forced and false and a little bit like, you know, movie conjured up. And Kevin felt that, you felt that, and I went and changed it. So bottom line is, it's my dream show. 
It's the story of me navigating single. It's, you know, the life of a, of a writer, comedian, director who's just trying to find himself. It's existential. It's not an ensemble. Jesus. And go ahead, Rob. You want to say something? My brother's here he is. I mean, it's just so much what more. It's unbelievable. I, I hopped up on the E3 Live. What is the E3 Live? I took this algae that I mixed into a drink, and I can't stop talking. Cameron took it, too. My nephew's 16 years old. He's a high-level athlete, so we saw it in the store, and everybody's been talking about E3 Live. It gets your brain going, and it's algae. It's great for you. Are you thinking right now while you're talking? I bought it, <laughs> and I mixed it in a drink, and I'm hopped up. It's unreal. It's unreal. What do you want to say about single mic, and what do you think it is that's going to help it become successful? What can I do? I think I think I think this sh- I think the show speaks for itself. Everybody that sees it loves it, and I don't think anybody that saw it, I don't think they would have gotten back to you as much as they did if they didn't really like it. Because sometimes you know people just be polite and say, "Oh, it was good," but the reality is, is people that you didn't even know that saw it that you trusted to look at it saw it, wanted to invest in it. people that you. You actually had to turn down people. That is true. I've turned down. I've held off two people right now. Uh, two other people yeah, you, are coming at me to invest, and I, I got to just think of a, a way to do it. And I want to talk to my main guy first, if or I may just say no. But yeah, maybe you bring. Listen, I mean, there's. An, I, I think there's a. I think there's a unique play here in an industry where you have Netflix and Hulu and all these other outlets besides the regular cable channels. And if you have your own private investors, your own private equity line and you have your own private production company to take it and to develop your own show independently and 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 keep that ownership and then just sell it to the different markets i mean it's limitless what you can really do with this opportunity that's in your hand you've got a great one-of-a-kind type show you've got an old school show you got you got a great opener you got a great you know i mean your opening to the show, I think, is what draws people in, to be quite honest with you. And whatever you and Kevin have to do to transition from your original pilot sizzle to your main network type show, I think you got to integrate that like we talked about. But you have such a unique uh, thing that it's going to blow people's minds. I think it, it's one of those shows that will stand the test of time, too, because it's following a life, Right. It could talk about nothing in your life because you might have one of those episodes where it could just be a mundane day where you just stay home and just write songs by yourself and whoever's on the other end of the line, that's the show. And then you Yeah, I thought about I thought about doing a whole episode of just staying home, working on comedy, working on bits yeah. in the mirror, on the mic. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um but you know, obviously in the first couple episodes and the ones that you're gonna be selling, you wanna show as much of you and the, and the world that you live in and exist in and function in and co- the world that comes to you, yeah. you know, that orbits around you as the epicenter. You're the, you know, you, you have a very unique uh, perspective. And I'm mature and immature at the same time. <laughs> I'm old and young. You are. You're everything. You're wise and knuckleheadish yeah. at the same time. You have a lot of great, 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 great qualities to you and it'll it'll be a great show because of that and that's what it's all about i mean you know shows that are 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 are, that have longevity have a central character going on a journey and a voice and go and and the journey and it's paced at their pace nothing's forced 
Nothing. We don't force in our show. We We're not going to force. We don't force. And Kevin even said it, right? He said, uh, he said everything. What, what did he say? Something about it's all going to be real. It's going to be real, no bullshit. You know, something about, he said something. You told me. We were talking about it up north. Anyway, so he said something real poignant. I think he gets it. Nothing could feel forced because there's a scene that I wrote where a dude's after me. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah. I can say this. So I wrote a scene where a dude was after me, whatever. And, and Kevin was like, his gut instinct was like, Young, if somebody was after you and you saw them somewhere, you would check them. Mike Young would check oh, them. Oh. No, no, but that's, what, but that's what we're talking about. Kevin said it first. And then I asked you, and you said yes. That's exactly how it would go down. You would check him. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah. I mean, everything has every, to feel real. Everything has to feel real. You got to remember, it's you. You're the central character. So everything's going to be based on your personality and all your traits that come along with it. Good, bad, and ugly. I am good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. And all your creative juices, and all the things that you do. Your funniest is when you don't try. Well, yeah. I'm not going to try at all the whole show. <laughs> That's. Good. You should tell if your investors are listening. He meant that in the most trying way. No, but I know what you mean. The subtle little things. It's almost like the subtle stuff Dad used to do. Yeah, it's like us when we just sat down and you said, "All right, well, come, I was sitting on the chair and you said, come sit on the couch," and I sat right next to you and rubbed my knee on yours. And you said, "Not that close." I can't. I have very heavy physical spatial issues. You do. My, I'm touching you right. I now. hate. I can't stand he's when my brother touches me because oh, he's, he's a gorilla. He's heavy handed. <laughs> He's too strong for the room. Today he went and flipped ten tires over with my nephew. They worked out like oh, they were. We we uh we ran the bleachers, and then we went and we did the tires, the truck tires, up a hill ten times, up and down, up and down, up and down. I can only lift the tire one time. I don't. My body's not shaped to lift tires. <laughs> your, bo- your body, your your body's shaped to retrieve tennis balls at the U.S. Open. Yeah, I have the I have the body of a tennis ball retriever. I don't have the body of a tire flipper. I don't have a CrossFit body. I don't do pull-ups. It's just not my Bob Box you. You have the body of an assistant coach. I have Tommy Hearn's body. I don't think Tommy Hearns could flip a tire. Tommy Hearns, no, Tommy's not flipping any tires. No, but he'll he'll knock you out. But he'll punch you as hard as yeah. he can and knock you out. And then the he'll punch a tire. Yeah. So anyway, we we weren't going to talk about we weren't going to talk about uh, the show. But that, but we weren't going we to talk it. about it. But it's one thing that's been on my mind because I've been in the cave right, every so day writing. All right, so, so we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's just something I'm working on, and I'm excited to get my creative juices flowing strong. I can't wait. I can't wait till you guys start diving into it and characters and people that you bring in. Right. And meanwhile, I'm excited to go back tomorrow, and my brother freaks me out because he's watching the Weather Channel. He's like, "What airport are you flying connecting through?" I go, "O'Hare." He goes, "Ah, you're fucked." It's over. There's not 900 flights shut down. You're not getting out tomorrow. So just make something. Just figure something else out. Meanwhile, it's completely sunny right here. I'll be fine by tomorrow morning. Sunny where? The sun's out again. No, it's not. Anyway, it's been amazing being home, and uh, we took a trip to Utah. Oh yeah, we did. So. My boy Jesse Itzler, who's known as the 100-mile man, Jesse Itzler, we do hard stuff. He's motivational speaker. He also used to own Marquee Jet. He's an entrepreneur. He's just a high-level, high-energy dude. And he's wrote my living b- with a seal, wrote living with the monks. 
two best-selling books, New York Times bestsellers. You got your own chapter dedicated to you. I got I got a shout-out in the first book. You got a whole chapter in the second book. Yeah, Jesse shouted us out in the first book, Living with a Seal, because Jesse was doing the the paddle around Manhattan. He was paddleboarding around Manhattan. And he asked me and my brother if we wanted to follow him in a canoe so we could be his spotters. Well, what he didn't tell us is a canoe is not made for the did Hudson ever, River. Did we talk about this on stories that need to be told before? Did we talk about this? Did we? I feel like we talked about this. And we were talking about this. What, Mom? Yeah. What's yeah come on in. The door's My mom's creeping, creeping in. Come creeping on in. in. It's a haunted door. Come through the haunted door, Sir Graves. I don't remember if we talked about. I don't remember if we talked about that the, the chapter canoe? the canoe. Yeah, we were up the night. Remember we were out the night before. There was a rooftop party in New York City. Rooftop launch party. Jesse owned a bar in New York City. We were on the rooftop. He was making fruity drinks. Making all kinds of drinks. Yeah. His place was about to go off the chain. And we had to get up early in the morning to go be his support team. So we left the party. Yeah. We left the rooftop party, walked through the streets of New York, bought a loaf of bread, peanut butter and jelly, snacks, power bars, nuts, berries, water. All Jesse's food that he needed for survival. And we went back to our hotel. or Were we staying at Jesse's or were we at a hotel? I forget. Hotel. We're at a hotel. We're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for Jesse the night before we went to bed early. In New York City, after we just came from a rooftop club grand opening extravaganza, we were full access VIP superstars. With while we're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at eleven o'clock at night, so we get to bed and meet Jesse at the harbor, where he gave us the wrong. Jesse knows that he screwed up. He gave us, for story purposes, in his book. He made Rob and I look, look like bad. idiots. Like he, we didn't know what we were doing. But the reality is he gave us a canoe to go into the harbor, which you can't. The Hudson River. The Hudson River. You can't paddle a canoe in the Hudson River and keep up with a guy on a paddleboard. That's There's a never been a canoe in the Hudson River. No. Not, not unless there were Native Americans back before the New York was built. Right. There was no. Right. And they made their own canoe. There was no chance Rob and I could have survived in the canoe. We got in the canoe. Jesse was in the paddleboard contest. There were about 200 paddleboarders. Yeah. Everybody was ready to go. Right. Rob and I sat in the canoe, right. and we knew right away we were going to sink or tip over within one second of sitting in a canoe. Wait, the best is, is that neither you or I have been in a canoe together since we were in, in up north Michigan, and we went on a canoe trip. And by the way, this was 20-some, 30 years ago maybe. No, we were on, it wasn't that long. What? 20 years ago at least with the Nickamans. We were on the ca- We were on the canoe trip, and somebody put my brother in my canoe, and I could have smashed my brother with a canoe paddle. He didn't know how to steer. He didn't know how to turn. We hit a rock. We flipped. We hit a tree. We could almost died 20 years ago. I, I did know how to steer. I did know how to paddle. I just didn't have my motor skills that day. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my brother was on things that, that day. I ran, us into the, I ran us ashore. We went, we're going my brother we're going forward. took something that people take in nature, and for some reason, everything he was supposed to do in the canoe that back then, we went backwards. he went the other way. <laughs> we went backwards down the river it was terrible it was terrible and i forgot that actually so once we got we we reunited in a canoe (laughs) 20 years later in the hudson and it was basically the same thing he didn't need to be on edibles he didn't have to be on nature's finest it didn't matter it was just we were gonna sink 
And so the, the gun went off for the race. The paddleboard people took off. Everybody who was spotting anybody was in a jet ski or a small <clears throat> boat. Right. In retrospect, what we should have done was we should have not been at the starting line. We should have just gone in the boat in the canoe to like an area around the Hudson, like where we, like before we Up met him, Harlem. we should have met him in Harlem and just, and like just paddled out there. He could have paddled over to us and met him there a mile up instead of trying to keep up with him and paddling the whole race ourselves mm-hmm. because he was gone the second the race started. We, we were behind the whole thing. It never happened. But it was, then, never, it was never good. It was never, it, we, we the could water have been, was too rough. There we could have been by ourselves. We could have been by ourselves. And we it does. It doesn't matter. We could have capsized and died that day, because the, the Hudson, there's sharks in there, right? It's a, it's salt water. It goes to the ocean. I don't know so what the hell the Hudson is. And sharks. There's no whales in the Hudson River. There's gotta be salt water either. No, it is salt water. The Hudson River. Bottom line is, that's where the cruise ships are. We felt like we were gonna die. A cruise ship took off. It almost sunk us, and we knew right away this is not gonna happen. So we lost our friend Jesse, and he took off. He was gone around a thirty-six mile thing. We started canoeing. We went to a pier where the Intrepid was. You know who almost sunk us? Was the same boat that saved all those people from that plane that landed in the Hudson. The same boats that saved the people in the Hudson almost killed you and I in the Hudson. Right. That, that, that boat almost got evened out. It almost killed us and saved others. It, sa- it saved everybody and almost killed the two of us. So bottom line is, Jesse, Jesse gave us the wrong tool. Yeah. Bottom line was, we, got, we went to a pier. They were shooting an ESPN show with some athletes, Dahani Jones. Yep. And they helped us. They got us out. And the next thing I knew, we called Jesse's driver. We had his peanut butter and jelly. We had all his food and resources. And we drove around Manhattan, all around the water, until we found Jesse on the east side of town. He was already four hours into this thing. He was dying from dehydration. Right. And we mad. Mad, at, mad. mad at me. Mad for a long time. You ever seen a guy that lived with monks mad? Mad monk. He was mad monk. Mad Jesse the monk. And... And uh, we threw him his food in a plastic bag. <laughs> like a fruit. We threw him his bananas, his peanut butter and jelly, and his water, and he finished the race. And I was upset. Rob was up. We were all upset. But he finished the race, and that was that. But Jesse, who I was talking about, had an event. So Jesse's been motivational speaking and, you know, just doing some really cool stuff and he's he's an endurance runner and endurance racer and he's just he's a beast he's mentally next level so he had an event in utah salt lake city uh, outside park city called uh everest 2929 everest and you go up this mountain if you go up the mountain 13 times and summit it equals everest just to let you know how hard it was i did four and my brother did 10, and he could have done 13. But we had the best weekend. It was one of those weekends. It was like, you don't know what it's going to be, but you go there. Jesse had us a tent, right? He had us a beautiful tent. Yeah. We had a roommate named Thor. Thor. We, met a, we met a bunch of great people. Great people. And we kicked off the hike at 5 o'clock in the morning. And we didn't stop until the following night at 5.30. I started at 6, well, the, we got up at 5, the, the shotgun was at 6 a.m. on Friday morning, and it ended Saturday night at 6 p.m., and I finished at 5.36 p.m., 20 minutes before the whole thing ended. 
and I actually felt better. And I had I had I done better time management, I would have been able to do the whole thing. I, but I waited for people, and I was saving people, and I was helping yeah. people and stuff. Like Rob that. was going up there like a Sherpa. I would just help if somebody needed help. I helped them if they were wanting to talk. I talked. Yeah, there were people. But I was that, quiet probably seven or eight of the summits myself, but the four or five that I did alone or that I did where there were other people involved because there was like a rain advisory, a, winter, a weather advisory. We had to take shelter when we were up there. Then I was with like eight people. Then you walk up with somebody. That's when I met uh, John from L.A. Yeah. And I walked with him, and that took me an extra two hours out of my day. And then I went with Alexis um, that night, and she was so, you know, she was great, but she was, you know, we took our time. You saved her. Saved her. I mean, we were both exhausted, but we still did it, and we did it together, which was cool. The other night I saw the moose, but we, but that was an extra two hours on top of the. I was averaging uh, right around an hour 50 yeah. to summit. Yeah. But I took away four or five hours out of my Help time, people. maybe six hours out of my time, which yeah. would have been the extra three that I needed. Right. Bottom line is my brother could have, he could have done 13. I he went up, crushed it. Crushed it like a beast. I went up the gondola. I rode the gondola up as opposed to hiking. I just took the gondola up to go see you on your 10th one. Yeah. And you were jogging. My brother was jogging. But it was a cool event because it like lets you know like the human body and the mind can you can push yourself further than you ever think you can. Right. I went there planning on doing zero. I was literally gonna go there, work on my script, and hang out with everybody. And Jesse was cool with that. He was like, "Yo, Mike, just come hang," right. you know. And he was always he kept saying, "You know, bring Rob. Rob will love it." And so you went all in on the you know right. on the endurance. Right. But I was bummed out that I only did four. Because I really realized that, like, when you push yourself, when you push it, push it, and really go, pu- just push it, it it affects like the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like other things in your life just become easier. No doubt, way easier. Like after that event, it's like instead of writing for two hours, I'll write for four hours, five hours. Like right. you can just everything is endurance. Life should be a long right. Life is like a long term, not a sprint, and right. it just kind of gave you that. The mileage that you did on your shirt? No, this is a Cavs basketball oh. shirt, Mom. My mom's here, by the way. My mom's here. She's deliriously tired but can't admit it. She, Her eyes are closed and I she doesn't... Look at this shirt. No, but you're I, tired. What numbers are on? Oh, 20,506. 20, yeah. Actually, I did uh, 22 plus thousand feet. That's what I thought was the miles that you did yeah. on the hill. No, this is how many people were in the arena during the playoffs game for the oh. Cavs. Excuse me. I got this at the Cavs game. Yeah, yeah, Cavs. Go Cavs. But anyway, so it was cool. Anyway, it was a great event. Yeah, it was one of a kind. It, Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it wasn't even – it was like I didn't – neither of us really knew what to expect at all. It was our first time ever doing it. Next time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the whole thing and then maybe one extra because I just I, – I felt better on the last – four or five that I did than I did on the first four or five, six that I did. It was amazing how much better I felt, even though my feet were breaking down and shit was breaking down. Like you said, it was more of a mental thing. I mean, you really know what you're made of because physically you're not supposed to be doing that. We're animals naturally. Wait. We're not built for walking up mountains. And no. we, we, we literally, 
I knew something was I, I knew physically was gonna be one aspect of it. Yeah. Um I didn't know how heavy the mental aspect of it was gonna be. It yeah. was extremely intense. After the first couple where where I didn't see anybody and I was alone and I was like just going through it. Even all you get to the stations, you know, and you see people yeah. there and you're like, Okay, good, there's humans here. But when you're alone for that, you know, that mile long stretch up a mountain in nature, yeah. your mind starts doing things that your body could never do. Yeah, you're talking to yourself, you're saying weird things, your mind's, yeah. you know, you start to like thank the rocks that you're walking around. I was, grass, I was, wind, I was thinking rocks. Trees, birds, you hear a chirp off in the distance, you think they're rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the mind plays tricks on you when you're pushing it physically, right, for right. sure. But the, but the best was, is that not only were you out there, what you, you, re, what you realize is you're out there for yourself because it's a physical, individual thing. But you realize once you connect with somebody, how much you're out there for other people too and support. Oh yeah, and we met you, some great people. Yeah, great people. And then you you also have to you find like you have to be open to receiving that that what they're given too. Even though you're out there for yourself, somebody walks into your life or hikes up a mountain next to you or passes you and says, "Hey, how you doing?" All of a sudden, you realize it's not just somebody passing you on the street. It's somebody that's goal oriented just like you. Yeah, that's like there mine. for the same thing. And then you realize it's not like this isn't a passing person. Like you're going to see him either at base camp. You might see him again. You might not. But you you're there for the same purpose. And it just uh, it's an overwhelmingly powerful positive experience. Yeah, Jesse's always. Just just hanging around him, you can feel his energy. I mean, look up if you don't know who he is. Look up Jesse Itzler. Look up, you know, build your life resume. Look up, we do hard stuff. Yeah. He's a beast. Most you people know? listening to this podcast know who he is. I bet probably. And I've known him for over twenty years. And I met him when he was rapping as Jesse James the rapper, and we've been friends ever since. And anytime he says, "Just come on, show up," you just you just. You don't ask a bunch of questions. You just, you just book your flight and yeah. you get there and you're going to be good. And yeah. he's got, and I'm like, I'm kind of known as like the comedic relief of his events. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've right. been at the Hill. And you went I've to all women's hell on the Hill at his house. A single mic. Yeah. And the woman that was there, Cameron, Carmen. Yeah. Was telling me like your brother was getting massages and, <laughs> and like, he was trying to work and telling us that we were being too loud, yet he was at an all-women's event, and he was using all the facilities like we would be using. But you're, we were like, who is this guy that Jesse invited that is telling us to keep it down? When well, Jesse calls you and says, when Jesse calls and says there's 100 girls climbing a hill, <laughs> and we, I need you there, you just show up. <laughs> yeah. So I went to his hell on the hill for women, <laughs> and it was hilarious, and it was because he's got the masseuses that are amazing that'll put you right to sleep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I used the facilities, but I was there to, to cheer on the girls and yeah. make sure everybody was safe. Was the masseuse that was there at, 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 at ours, was she one of the no, ones that no. was at his place? No, his personal one? not at all. Uh-uh, totally different. He told that story when we were with a bunch of people about how we were watching your movie that you were filming in New York. Mike was filming a movie called My Man is a, uh, My Man is a Loser. 
and just and you had the dailies or something. We were watching like the, the screening. We're watching. Of it. A, we're gonna watch a whole cut of it. We're gonna watch a whole cut of it and take notes. And we were sitting in Jesse's apartment. <laughs> was it just me, you, and Jesse? No, it was me, you, Jesse, his boy Freed. Like the masseuse was there. Oh, there was like, but the masseuse. We ordered Chinese food. He had a bunch of food. Deli- it was the day of the thing. It was the day of his the kayak. Night of, yeah, the night of the It was the night of his, his uh, yeah, the kayak debacle. Not the kayak, the canoe and the, yeah. his paddleboarding contest. And we go back to his house. We order a bunch of Chinese food. We're in, we're in like, wherever we are. Where, where, where's in, this place? It's super nice. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so overlooking Central Park. Yeah. Nicest yeah. apartment in the city. Yeah. I'm excited. It's my first movie. Great Everyone's going to watch my movie. And Jesse orders Chinese food we're, and two masseuses. We, no, no, but the masseuses weren't there yet. We, we go into the room to watch. After we eat, we go into the room and get comfortable on the couch. He starts the movie and he says, oh, by the way, I got the two masseuses are coming in from Connecticut. And you and Jesse already knew the masseuses, and you guys were all excited about having a massage. He needed one. Yeah. And you and I, we were just stressed out from being in the Hudson River on a canoe for too long and being rescued. And I wanted you to count the laughs in the movie. That was going to be... And I had a piece of paper to... Yeah, I had a thing to count the laughs. And the funniest was, I felt... The masseuse came in, I was laying on the couch, and one of the masseuses took Jesse, and the other one pulls out a, a magic chair from underneath the TV that I didn't even know existed. She faces me. She puts my feet in her lap, and she starts going to town, giving me reflexology. And I fell asleep like a baby. Before the opening credits were finished, my brother was snoring through my movie, didn't watch one second of my movie. His only job was going to be to count the laughs in the movie, a total number of laughs. And he slept through the movie. Jesse was out also. Everybody was basically sleeping except for me. I watched my own movie. And we didn't even get through the whole movie. I, I, I shut it off halfway. I was it was just, a long day. It was a long day. It was a long movie. But I did come back for the screening of your movie, the official one with Stamos. Yeah, in New York, where in you did York. count the laughs. We went to the Brill. We went to the, the, the famous studio and watched it. Brill Building. The Brill Building? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. Well, that's where we did, we did sound post-production in the famous it's, Brill Building. But the theater was somewhere in uh, like the West Village. I can't remember. Not, not, no, no, not the big one where the premiere was. No, I know where you were counting laughs yeah. with Stamos and the, and the producers. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot where that was. Yeah. But I got 99 laughs. Yeah. I remember there was 99 laughs in My Man is a Loser. Unprovoked, unforced laughs. Jesse Pretty told that story at the, at the, at the event. Yeah. He's like, Rob's only job was to count the laughs. And next thing you know, he's sleeping. Oh, no, cool. Well, his masseuse was so good. My Man is a Loser was a good movie. People still like it. Rappaport told me his mom loves that movie. She, they still watch it. People love it. You should always tell people. You never tell people about it. You always tell people. I'm going to start, t- start telling more people again about My Man is a Loser, especially because it'll... Why don't you put it out a, there? It's at Lionsgate. Why don't you put it out there on Instagram? Why don't you put it out there? No, I do. I do. I do. When I'm, when I'm, I'm not on the internet anymore. You don't know. I'm, You're not on the internet. I, I do put it out. But My Man is a Loser starring Michael Rappaport, Brian Callen, and, uh, and Stamos. That was my first movie. I think it was a good movie. You know, there's moments I would have changed. I had some battles and wars, but God, I learned so much. It was not even funny. I mean, you don't know what you learn until you do it again. And I learned so much just physically making a movie. You know what I mean? Just yeah. moving it, moving along, moving along. Yeah. What shots do you want? It was crazy how much I learned. I remember Jesse showed up on set. He had, yeah. couldn't. He was blown away. Yeah, he He's like, Mike, all these trucks? 
you're, you're the boss? All these, there's trucks everywhere. Yeah. He was blown away. Yeah, that but, was great. That was great. You guys have always been a good support team for each other. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, look, before I shot my man as a loser, I stayed in Jesse's apartment. And so I was staying there before, and they gave me an apartment. The production gave me an apartment, but Jesse had the nicest place you've ever seen. So I stayed at his place. You said the story. You moved in like May 5th, and you didn't I left four months later. You And you moved out in like the end of September. He stretches that one out. That's, that's not true. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, they left. Now. But the bottom line is I stayed there, and Jesse, through his osmosis, had me eating like fruit smoothies and like I drinking like kale and yeah, fruit yeah, and yeah. protein and yeah. waking me up at five o'clock in the morning before I even started production, uh, principal photography. He had me up working out in Central Park with Navy SEALs, like doing these crazy workouts. And by the time the movie came, I was literally in the best condition ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was straight up like in the best shape of any director ever. You're the best shape director known to man. I might be in the best shape now. Just, just from Four Hills. If there was a director's... Olympics? Well, like a junior Olympics where you're like your obstacle courses and chin-ups and basketball. Softball throw. Yeah, kickball, stuff like that. Like the, yeah, 50-yard dash, things like that. Like little events like that, you yeah. win. Three-point shooting. Three-point shooting. I'd yeah. win. I don't know any director that's an athlete. Cassavetes is an athlete. Yeah, but he's, he's not. I mean, he's too big now. But he's a basketball player. He can ball, yeah. But I mean, I think he could still throw. You but, think so? Yeah. But anyway, that's the that's the recap. And I haven't I hadn't done a podcast in three weeks. Um, stock tip, Dave. I feel bad, buddy. I know you're in LA and you're fiending to go back to the studio. I'll be back tomorrow, weather permitting. But yeah. you know, it's been a crazy summer. Spent a lot of time up in Charlevoix, right, Ma? <laughs> yeah, you did spend a lot of time. How you yeah. feeling? I feel great. My mom does not want to ever just simply admit when she's tired. It's like it's a, it's like a curse to be tired. You're exhausted. I'm looking at you. Your eyes are half yeah. shut. Why don't you go to bed now, Mom? Because I'm not tired. That's not true. That is true. Mom, you need your rest like a baby. She ignores the rest and fights against it. But that's all right. She's doing great. My mom's doing great. She had, than ever. she had a great summer up there. She had a great summer. Right? Yeah. Yep, it was fabulous. Eight weeks? Eight weeks. Eight weeks in Charlevoix. You cannot beat that. If you have a yacht in Saint-Tropez and you go there for two weeks, it doesn't equal eight weeks in Charlevoix. If you have a a beach house in Hawaii and you're there for a month, it does not equal eight eight weeks in Charlevoix. (laughs) Charlevoix, Michigan. I don't even even want to talk too much about it because I'd like to keep it sacred. But it's the best place on earth. And it's been written up now. Like The secret's out. It's been written up in every magazine. It's secrets out. It's just the so calmest. Fancy people stay in the Hamptons. Yeah, stay in the Hamptons. Go to San Tropez and chase Puff Daddy around on a jet ski. We got Charlevoix, Michigan, locked down, and we're Terry's all good. Restaurant. And the one of the best fish, one of the best restaurants. Period. Five star called Terry's is in Charlevoix, and it's incredible. So I think we could wrap it up, Rob. What do you think? You got anything? I mean, I barely time? said anything. <laughs> barely said anything. The day, the day, well, barely saying anything is a miracle. This is the least my brother's talked on this podcast, and he's still got a lot of time. It's because I took great the, advice. Don't be the last one in the room. Listen, let's be real. My brother is a person that likes people. 
He just has always liked people. He could talk to anybody. We'd land in Florida. Next thing you know, he's got a cab driver's phone number, and he's 12 years old. Right. He has always liked to be around people, and he can't detach. And I just told him, what did I tell you? You said, don't be the last one in the room. You said, leave early. You said, me and all my boys, we get in, we get out. You make, you make your presence known, and then you get out. Don't overstay your welcome. Not just don't overstay your welcome, just don't linger. Yeah, just don't linger too long. You're a lingerer sometimes. You linger. And now you know when you go to a party, when you're hanging in Detroit, when you're on a rooftop party with the people you work with, make your presence felt and get out. Don't, don't hang out. Do you want me to leave? No, you can linger here at your house. But, you know what I mean? Don't, don't linger at these parties and hang out so long with everybody. Just I get don't. out. I don't. Just get in and get out. I don't all the time. I don't all the time. I see your point, but I don't all the time. But when I feel like I am now, because I will be more conscious of it, I'll get out. Get conscious. I'm totally conscious. Get conscious when you're at a party. Yes, Michael. <laughs> I will get Listen, it bothers me that I always try to act like I know everything that's good for my brother, but it's just the way it is. I'm wired that way. I'm the older brother. Yeah. I feel like I know everything, and I don't. I feel like I'm always... I don't have the ability to detach from, like, and be my own person. I'm, I'm attached to everything. You're attached to me. Yeah, I'm attached. Like no, I, so I don't have the ability to just be... Just, you know what I mean? Just like let that go. I can't just chill. If I see my brother and he's lingering at a party too long, I have to, it affects me. I have to say something because I know that it's good for you. That's right. Because you care about him. No, but I'm all, I care about him, but other, other brothers will care about their brother, but they might not ever say anything. Like, I can't help it. I have to say something. You, have, you know the law of attachment. I know all of it. You I've been through it all. Detached. Believe me, I've lingered the last... I've been the last person to party, too. How do you feel? Silly. Like, just like, get me out of it. Why, what am I doing still here? I don't even know how to get out of here. You got to get in and get out. Get in and get out. Get nip, get out. Get nip, get out. Yo, um, you're going to be... You and Kevin are going to be working on your show in the next couple of days, like, hardcore. We're going to... Yeah, I'm going back to L.A. this week. My first meeting is I'm going to sit with Connolly. We're going to go over every single scene. Then I'm going to dive into the second script, and we will have two scripts ready to go, and we will start pre-production. And, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't, wanna, I don't like to jinx anything. I just want to get there safely after you freak me out about the weather. I just want to get to L.A. I wasn't saying that, you're, that anything was going to be wrong with your flight. I was just telling you there's a delay. You're not going to be – if you flew to O'Hare – Your exact words were, were you flying into O'Hare yeah. or Midway? I said, O'Hare. You go, you're done. It's over. Uh, it's my a, exact words were, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> Yo, but the bottom line was because you were going to have to be stuck in O'Hare because O'Hare is flooded right now. The international terminal is flooded. I'll check my flight in the morning. It uh, doesn't matter. What happens with a storm is – it's a chain reaction. If one I get it. I'm saying, but isn't it wise of me not to worry right now? And shouldn't I just check it in the morning? Isn't there a chance that I'll be on time? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do they let you know via cell phone or emails? Sometimes. You, yeah. What's, what's flood? The international terminal? Yeah. Well, you're not going to be there. You're going to domestic. The whole airport's flooded. You can't drive into it. You can't drive. People are getting dropped off a half mile from the airport and walking their bags in. It, the streets are flooded. Oh. Let's just hope I can get to 
California, bro. I'll go online and get a different Look, ticket. Right. Look at that. What is that? Major announcement. We're watching the Weather Channel. Major announcement. Anyway, Saget. Right, so I'm, I'm coming out. I'm coming out in November. Okay. I'll be out there for the filming or whatever. I'm coming out. And <laughs> you'll be out for a couple of days. I'll be out there for a few days at least, lingering. Yeah. I'm going to be the linger. I'll be the last guy at the party. Maybe we'll let you do that. Nah, whatever. If there's I'm, a party I'm, scene. Listen, I'm in, and I appreciate anything I told you. I'll fill the gap where needed, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. And I, I told my lawyer I just wanted my brother just to have a credit on the damn thing. Just get you a credit. For what? Just for, just for being my brother and being, you know, running stuff by him. Give him a credit. Nice. Just try to give him something. Should I be? Just I mean, give me something for sure. Can I, if I'm giving you the same notes, yo, if I'm giving you the same notes as the guy that is getting something, I would appreciate something. The guy that's no, the guy that actually the guy, the guy that gave him the money, he hasn't even called me. No, no, no he no, literally no, could no. be lost in the Bermuda Triangle. I haven't even heard I'm from. Not, him. I'm not talking about him, but I, yeah, I mean, but regardless, I'll feel the. I told him. For raising YouTube knuckleheads. Yeah, for you, making this much sugar. <laughs> yo, but the bottom line is, I got your back a thousand percent. Whatever you need. For the show, yeah. For anything, I appreciate do, it. Anything you do, I always have, and I always will, and I always see it from a unique perspective. You know, your shit from a unique perspective that you give me. Yeah. So All right. know, I'm looking at it with your best interest at heart, and I'm not going to. He's my uh, muscle. I'm not taking, and I'm not taking improv for nothing. That's all. It ain't gonna help. Yeah, I'm coming in. It ain't gonna. I'm help. gonna have a Larry David moment. No, but I'm saying taking improv. Isn't gonna help in the movie. Oh yeah, it does. You're already does. even if you're just lingering. <laughs> you linger properly. That's how he is. He's it's taking a, improv in whole, linger, to be a single mind. Linger balance. Uh, all right, listen. Kevin knows what's up. <laughs> Kevin knows what's up. We'll shake Connolly down. Uh, anyway, all right. God bless. Have a great week, Mike Young. Stories that need to be told. My brother Robert Young. If you need any fire, flood, mold remediation, and you own gigantic commercial properties yo, anywhere in the world, you call Blue Team. Yo, if you're not signed up with us right now, forget it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Because we got enough on our plate right now with Hurricane Gordon coming into the Gulf of Mexico and all the floods in the Midwest that are happening. Say what up, Ma. Say goodbye. Good night. Love you, there. brother. I right, love you. Sag and I will be in Portland September 14th, 15th, and 16th. So catch Mike Young, Bob Saget in Portland. And then I'll be at the Coconut Casino in, Co- in Fort Lauderdale September 20th. See you later. Stories that need to be told. Mike Young, I am out. 50 minutes. Bam. Take me back. When I was a kid, take me never back had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man now, what's Check the plan it out. now? Gotta the get it down, sound. no time for Getting fun now. now. Take me back uh, when I was a kid. Two. Never had to worry take about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now, what's the plan now?